Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of A Pint with Barman Larry. This is the only podcast where we catch up with everyday South Africans about their load-shedding blues, sports, food, eats, drinks, and so much more. A special welcome to our hosts, Barman Larry, alongside his sidekick and producer, Spliff Langa. No, seriously, I can't hear it. It's fine. Um, Barman Larry, we are live. I don't know what you're doing. You're sorting out the lines. Yes. Uh, it's very important not to get entangled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It starts with a joke. Yeah. Well <laughs> yet another uh, session. Yeah, yeah, a pint with Barman Larry. I actually pra- practiced his word pint a <sighs> few times today, so I got it right. The break uh, did as well, eh? So uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, brought to you by Ulangaba. Uh, we also have uh, another sponsor, um, MJ Consulting, for yeah. all your branding requirements. They are on 184. Uh, Panorama Road in in Royskra. Um yeah, in Midrand. Royskral is, is in Centurion. Centurion, yes, yeah. for all your branding. So we'll post it on our uh, Instagram page. Some of the work that they do, they already have some mugs that they did for us, and uh, looking good. Yeah. So it, it will be mugs. Uh, there'll also be t-shirts for all. Friends of the podcast. Yes. Uh, today we, we came back to Mutlakoba. Uh, thanks to our host, uh, none other than. What was their tagline? Yeah. Yeah. And So today, I don't even know how to, to introduce our guest today. Uh, <laughs> but if you're a. Football person, and you would like to get a few stories about the African continent. He's probably the best guy you, you know to talk to. Uh, I, I normally say uh, our next CAF president. <laughs> <laughs> CAF. Actually, that's very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, easily. Uh, Mama yeah, Duilanga. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Mr. Busilo. Uh, he will introduce himself. What he does, uh, yeah, and we take it from there. Hopefully, you know, it's going to be a very, um, call it, rewarding, fulfilling, and interesting session. Yeah, welcome, Kamilong. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks yeah. for having me. I'm, I feel honored. I feel like <laughs> I'm a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, I must say, uh, before we got here, we we had some Korean chicken first. <laughs> so we good, we good. <laughs> we good. We had, we had some Korean chicken and we're having beer, uh, nice cold beer in the in the, in the cooler, and then uh, some single malt. So we are drinking. We could have done it at your bar. Can you? What's the name of your bar? Uh, fuck it bar. <laughs> or fuck, fuck off. off. <laughs> <laughs> but the I, under I, I live in I live in Pretoria now, so yeah, that's very that's very welcoming. Eh? <laughs> no, I live in Pretoria now, so this is. Uh, this is how we operate. <laughs> yeah, but just tell us about who you are. I mean, if I had to bump into you in the street, yeah, that's a deep question <laughs> for a Friday. Omang, um, I basically am still finding out who I am, but in the short time I've been around, um, I think I could say I'm a... I'm a I'm a fun loving person who who loves to travel and and aim for his passions. Uh, I think that's what I would say is me in a nutshell. Um, yeah, that's that's who I am in a nutshell. Ah, ah that, 
there was like mzwake mbuli no we will will unpack will unpack will unpack <laughs> some more mzwake mbuli intro yeah it sounds like a bikini eh? yeah don't reveal much i've been watching steve a lot i've been watching steve i'm trying to to yeah. gather some nuggets from steve yeah but i mean okay maybe for for maybe let me just say for those who know or or don't know kabendo busilong he's a football fundi administrator that uh, is uh, you know been in the PSL now he's in CAF or CAF for those who are in America we say CAF and uh, yeah he's a is a, a football administrator ad, uh, extraordinaire ne Larry Yeah. <laughs> I think there was a there was a word that You have to rely on him for the big words. <laughs> 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 to, to confirm. <laughs> yeah, no, he he is. Uh I'm sure he's got far more greater stories to tell than the intro he made. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I I definitely do. I definitely do. Um So in your intro you talk about your your passions. Mm. What are your passions? Yo, um I think I have I have many passions that some have been with me since I was young, very young, and some I've gotten to appreciate and grow as as I grew older. But one thing that's definitely been a constant passion of mine is football. Uh football has always been there through my entire life and I can't imagine a time where football was not involved and you know for me i think most of us love football because you obviously play it you want to be the player and that was me too but i i think football endeared to me in a different way i was more you know attracted to the symbolisms of football the traditions the cultures the pageantry the everything around football that most people usually don't see or don't get to appreciate um as much because most of the time we're focused solely on the football and and I think for me um I've always been I mean when we're playing you know as kids on the streets you know you always football is, is a sport where there's always been structure from the lowest levels till the top highest levels there's always structure I mean when you're playing on the streets you know there's rules maybe it's unwritten rules or no you know but there's structure you know when we were growing up we would play you know our street against the opposite street get the best players from that street play against us and our trophy was drink or pop you know with water from the hose pipe that was the trophy you know and since that time you know just organizing uh, i've always been interested in I'm the one who's going to go and get that other team to play us to what time we're going to play it's 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 been there and you only appreciate it once you look back but at that time you didn't know this is actually where your life is leading you because you just wanted to be involved in the game whether you're playing or you're not playing but you know the game revolves around your life and that's exactly what it does and is happening to me as we speak now you you're not one of those kids that had the ball and then <laughs> if if the if the if your team loses you take the ball home no, the game is over no no <laughs> no 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 i i <laughs> no those are the guys that you know for me were always next to you the guys who you could yeah. influence yeah you go to the guys with the balls and you you tell them a good story <laughs> they'll believe you but no i wasn't the guy with the balls I, so. I, i was the one with the balls <laughs> <laughs> i suppose that's why we can't call you a football extraordinary yeah <laughs> cuz i think from your your sum up you just sound like somebody who's interested in the the dna of the game itself football is is like a religion and it's it's quite refreshing to to hear somebody talk about football beyond just playing it but mm. you know the organization around it and how it should be run and and how much you know the world should see football for what it is because i don't think you can go to any place and you won't find a person not playing football 
you can walk around in South Africa, you won't find somebody playing baseball. Mm. But if you walk around everywhere, uh, including America, there's somebody kicking a, a football. So how did you how did you come to this point where where you are in your life in terms of football? Well, it's it it was it's been quite a journey. It's been quite a journey, but I think for me, um, as I said, football has always been a constant part of my life. And when you know my mother got the opportunity to work in Europe as a diplomat. Uh, that's when I started focusing a lot more on football and it maybe being able to take me somewhere that I'd, I'd, I'd hoped, you know, in terms of playing football. Um, and that was my ultimate goal at that time was, you know, just as I started high school was I am going to push myself to see how far I can make it within football. Um, when we, we first moved to Holland... And we lived in The Hague for, for a year and a half. And I think as I was pushing football, another sport which had kind of I'd grown up doing, which was triple jump, kind of also took over. Um, I was very involved when I was, uh, before I moved to Europe, I was very involved in athletics, 800 meters, 1,500, triple jump, long jump. Those were my events. And... Um, there was a coach in Holland who saw me triple jump and he said, okay, uh, I actually want to coach you on my own personal time. He was a parent, uh, but he was also coaching and he saw me jump and he wanted then to push me to obviously develop. I mean, his plan was for me to have competed in the 2004 Olympics in Athens. That was the plan, the, the goal. Um, so I was torn a bit because I was like, I'm trying to push with football. I was playing for a club team that was close to our school, um, VV Leiden. Um, but I could see that I needed to pick one to, to, to fully push and pursue myself, either football or it's triple jump. Um, then... I think the answer was given to me. My mom got transferred to Rome, so we moved to Rome. And at the school, there was not much of an athletics culture or not as big as there was in, in Holland. And then I just decided football is what I'm sticking with. Yo, you mentioned The Hague. Uh, I'm glad you didn't pursue law. <laughs> you know the head office of there. I, I know all about it. We have a in high school we have a thing where we have it's called Model United Nations, and um, you know schools are given countries, and then you go as that country, and you have to now go debate that country's policies in a model UN kind of. It's just students, and we're talking and trying to solve world problems. And, you know, I think one year we were Cameroon, so we needed to study the whole political structure of Cameroon and what their policies are on these certain topics. If you know, So it was living in there, you got to understand a lot of that and see it, of course. You know, from, from what you, you, you just, you know, mentioned and how you, you speak about your journey, is it fair to say you were very deliberate on you know, the direction that you want to, to take um, from earlier on in life. And, and literally, in your intro, you talk about, you know, your passions. It's like everything was mapped to where you are currently in terms of where you saw yourself, uh, the sort of journey that you want to take. I mean, you even avoided doing law while based at The Hague. No, I think, yeah. I think, I think now it could, you could... I could possibly see it and appreciate that maybe it was planned, but as you go on the journey, it's never a plan. I think it's probably the universe or nature. There's a force that pulls you towards what it is that you are meant to do or what it is that you want to do. And I think for me, which has always been early on, I've always been someone who's very open about my plans. You know, I tell people, what I think, what I want to do, 
if it never works out, it never works out. But I am I'm, I'm that kind of person who who because maybe it might stimulate someone else to do something else or take it somewhere that maybe I couldn't have taken it. Um, but for me, always sharing your your dreams and your your passions are uh, is something that I I appreciate and I always try and be around similar people, you know, who also have uh, a thing for what they're passionate about and they're fulfilling their passions. But they've taken journeys um, and, and that's what life is. Life is a journey that um, you only get to appreciate, I guess, when you're our age now because you've accumulated things over the course of your life. But um, you can at least appreciate that throughout that journey, it's nowhere where I don't think anyone plans exactly where they want to be um but if you know you veer take a short left here and there it's fine as long as you're going in the general direction of where you want to go and i think for most of us is being happy and doing what you know we like to do um sometimes you won't love it but most of the time you like it and that's why we do it um and and it's the same with every industry we all kind of look at other people and envy their industries and a lot of people envy what I do and sometimes they don't get to see the sacrifice that goes into it being away from your family for so long always living out of a hotel in an airplane uh, being at a stadium in the heat traveling in countries where you don't understand the languages eating food that you've never tasted before and you you know have to take medication all the time because you never know you know what you're going to eat, is it going to be fine? You know, so going through all those experiences, it, it builds you. But if it's something that's within you and you're passionate about, you'll continue doing it because that's what feeds you to keep going on this journey of life. So you, you, you were in America for, um, in your tertiary years. Yes. How was that like uh, with, the, with the damn Yanks? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I guess... You know, was football as great as it it is? Well, currently now it's growing. Uh, they put more money into it, uh, bringing the world's best players. But was football there also as? I mean, you played. I was gonna say college football, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think after I I graduated high school in Rome, and then. Um, at that time, I was applying for scholarships to get into schools in America. Um, and after I finished matriculated, I hadn't heard back from some of the schools because at that time, you had to put together tapes of yourself, you know, playing. And you were still using VHS back then, so it was a lot more difficult than it is now. But we had to put tapes together and send it to colleges to see if they like you, if they do. But it was always harder for international students to come in. Uh, at that time, it was a lot harder. So, so then I took a year off, and uh, in that year, I was coaching uh, elementary school kids' sports at my high school. Uh, then I was also working at restaurants and shoe stores just to improve my Italian um, so I could at least become conversant in Italian. Um, so I spent a year doing that, um, and for me, that was one of the best years of my life because um, I'd, I'd gotten a, a mot they call it a motorino, a scooter. A Vespa. A Vespa, yeah, yeah a Vespa type. Yeah. And in Italy, if you have that, it's like having a car. Yeah. It's like if you have uh, a <laughs> motorino, yeah. ah, no. motorino. You, can get, you can get it around everywhere. A car is actually, you don't even, it's worthless because you won't have any places to park. So now you have a motorino. Ah. So that's the year I explored Rome and it's nightlife and I wasn't in high school anymore. I'd finished school. So I was literally going out every single night Partying, exploring the city. Um, Eating the pasta and the pizza. Uh, that's standard. Standard. <laughs> and, and drinking the Peroni. Standard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's where, where I got to explore Rome a little bit more. Uh, but then I did, um, at that time, uh, Filma Singer was uh, playing for Bari in, yes. uh, in Italy. Uh, there was a season where he was actually going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Ronaldo and Batistuta for the top uh, oh, 
goal scoring uh, charts. Sure. I mean, he was scoring for Bari that season. Yeah. Um, but during that Easter, uh, he came over to our house. He stayed with us uh, because Easter's big, obviously, Roman Catholics. And yes. so we went, you know, to they, they came and stayed with us for Easter. And that's where I got to know uh, Phil a little bit more. So as I was taking the sabbatical, I was still talking to him. He's like, no, you know, come for trials in Bari, yeah. you know, come and we can organize some trials. So then I was excited about that option. And then at the same time, I got a, a scholarship, academic scholarship to go to university in America. I was still waiting for the football guys, but none of them were coming back. I got an academic scholarship. My mom's like, uh, <laughs> I was like, no, but Brafil said, yeah. I, she's like, no, yeah. <laughs> they're paying you to go to school. <laughs> she's like, no, you can try play soccer when you're there, yeah. but you're going to take the scholarship. So, um, and education is a big part of my family. Uh, my, my grandmother was a principal all her life. Um, she's got a, you know, primary school named after her in Pochefstroom. Uh, you know, my mom, master's degree, all my aunts, education is a big thing in our family. So I had no other choice. So in September, August, end of August, September 2001, went to the States um, in a place called Boca Raton, Florida. It's very close to Fort Lauderdale. Mm. It's like Jobic Pretoria from here to Miami, from, yeah. from Boca Raton to Miami is like Jobic Pretoria. Yeah. So, yeah, university was was that whatever you see, yeah, it's it was that, yeah, it was that, it was, it so was an amazing experience. So was that then primarily the end of your football career aspiration? No, yeah. no, actually not. So I got to the school, and one of the conditions was I was going to get an opportunity to trial in the states. They call it walk-ons. If you don't get a scholarship. Then if you impress, then you're a walk-on. Okay. Then you can walk on the team. So tryouts. Tryouts, try yeah. <laughs> so so with our school, there was a big international community. Um, I think our school had the biggest percentage-wise number of international countries at their school. Uh, so it was a very international. And there were a lot of kids from South America and who also wanted to try out for the team. Yeah. Uh, but the coach at that time, uh, you know, had his players. A lot of them came from England. Um, and Was the coach English? Yeah, he was English. Damn. So, so <laughs> we, would, we would try out. So we got, I mean, I got there. Then the whole semester I tried out with the team. Um, then there was opportunities here and there. I played some, some practice matches with them. Uh, one practice match we played against was in the summer. We played against DC United. Mm. Risto Stoichkov was playing against us. Sure. Yeah. Wow. That's when he played yeah. his last few seasons. Wait, what, what position were you? Uh, I was a striker. Oh, is it? I was a striker. Because the last time, I mean, we played football, you were, you were at the back. Yeah, as age, it's, it's as, age as your age gets <laughs> higher, your your position, your 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 football number gets smaller. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. So I was a number nine, and then I moved, okay. I moved back. Imagine, Langa says he's uh, one of the top goal scorers in Fed Cat circles. And he says I, he started his career as a goalkeeper. <laughs> so imagine, how do you, how do, how do you evolve from a goalkeeper later on in your years? He you become a striker. Yeah, it's usually the it's usually the, the other, other way, way around. Yeah. it's usually the other way around. Uh, <laughs> but he's a he's a rare talent, Langa. Right, Langa's no, a rare, uh, rare talent. So with his in whatever game. sport we talk about, he's a rare talent. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, the, uh, back to the <laughs> to, to talking about you. So, <laughs> so, so you, you, yeah, okay. Then how did you not then become professional? Okay. You know, that's so, what I'm trying so, to get to, So, yeah. yes. So at that time, there were all these international students who wanted to try out for, for the main team. And, um, unfortunately, you know, they didn't get that opportunity to try out for the main team. So what then, I think this was also the start of my formalized administration training. 
there were a lot of these kids who were not playing part of the, the, the official school team or they didn't get the opportunity. So I went to the administration and I said, can we start a club team in the name of the university? Uh, the university was Lynn University. So we started a club team called Lynn United. So it can stick with the LU. So we then started mobilizing. We got people together. I was ordering kit from catalogs and registering us from a league in South Florida. So now we played a weekend league um, as a club, university club team that the university supported. And, uh, you know, they would help us with registration fees. And so that, I think, was the beginning unofficially of my football administration um, uh, education, in a way. At that time, I was studying political science and communications. I was doing an honors degree, and I took that route because my mom was a diplomat. And at that time, I thought, I want to play professional football. I'll just do it because it's things that I know. Not knowing later on, it would actually play a big part in what I do now. But I said, okay, um, the day came when I realized, okay, I need to, this is not going to happen. I got an injury. Uh, I rolled my ankle. Um, and then when I came back, I wasn't the same player anymore. And I thought, you know what, let's leave it. I, I think that dream is over. But now what it is that I want to do. And in that moment, in that time, um, in the States, the Champion League plays at around 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. So we'd always, as international students, we'd always make sure we don't take classes at around that time. Because if you take classes at that time, it's you're going to end up skipping the classes because you're going to want to watch Champions League. Yeah. And then, so there was a time where I was watching a Champions League match and it was Ronaldinho against AC Milan against Barcelona. Ronaldinho was playing for AC Milan. Outside the box, he flicks it to his left and then he shoots it clean, top corner against Dida. I don't support any of those teams, but I jumped out of my chair. like I was like so excited. And from that moment, I was like, I want to feel like this every day. You know, I want to feel like this. And I, and I think that's when I told myself, if I can't get paid to play football, I'm going to get paid to watch football. That's what I want to do. So that's when I made a conscious decision. Um, okay, this is what, this is where I want to go now because I hadn't succeeded on the playing side, uh, but now I was doing things administratively at the school with this club team, which was gaining a lot of traction, a lot of success. And then I realized, okay, there's an opportunity, especially then when the World Cup got announced to come to South Africa. That's when my mind was made up. And that was a year before I graduated. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to finish my degree, whatever it is that I have, but I'm now going to want, I want to study towards what I want to do, which is get involved in football. I don't know how, but I want to get involved in football. And I see a World Cup in South Africa as that opportunity for me to come back. That, that is amazing because, I mean, sorry, Larry, you, I know you wanted to. I, I want to go to, you actually saw Ronaldinho, and then, I think earlier this year, you were with him, shaking his hand. It's like, is that like a full circle for you? Uh, you exactly. <laughs> no, you, 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 you took the words right. I was so in that moment. Yeah. I was just, you know. Because that's the God. That, uh, exactly. Yeah. And, and for, for, for me, I even have a Champions League tattoo. And yeah. people always say, yeah. wah, wah, wah. And I always tell them, and coincidentally, it was the no, season. No, no, please correct yourself. People don't say wah, wah, wah. They say Arsenal will never win a championship. No, no, no. <laughs> we don't say, we don't say and, wah, wah, and, wah. Well, to, <laughs> me, to me, it sounds like wah, wah, wah. Anyway, <laughs> that's exactly what it sounds because like. Because those wah, who wah, don't wah. know at home, Wissilong supports Arsenal. So <laughs> why you have a Champions League on your, on your bicep? <laughs> that's exactly. So the story I tell people, just because I don't have to tell the backstory, is that I actually got it in December of the season we went to the final against Barcelona. Yeah. So while we were on that run, I decided to get the tattoo because we were on that run. But I, the primary reason I got it was because that Champions League game is what mm. got me to 
get to where I am today. And I wanted to commemorate that moment with with a Champions League tattoo. Delus- so delusionalized Arsenal support getting a tattoo before even lifting the trophy. It's, it <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm by the way I'm between two Arsenal supporters yeah, that's, that's why that's yeah. why you're <laughs> hearing crickets in the background <laughs> yeah you should you should, you, you should keep your enthusiasm okay, I'm, okay, I'm even okay. using a red mic okay thank yeah. you <laughs> back to you know earlier you mentioned about uh, traveling around uh, eating food that you don't know you know the whole African continent is Literally traveling around is like playing Monopoly using real cash. What are some of your favorite stories about, uh, you know, your football travels around the continent? Jeez. The no, top three. I, I, I really, I have, there's, there's a lot of stories that I might, I might not even do justice because there might be some I, I, I literally forgot and they'll come back to me. And I think that's that's one of the the things that I'm I'm trying to be more aware of now is when I do travel to take notes and to to jot down things to write down experiences or memories that you can come back to later on. Um, I I like to take a lot of pictures when I travel, so you know you won't see me in any of the pictures, but I like to take pictures of places where I am. Um, uh, just for me also to remind myself of certain moments and incidences. Um, but, you know, we could we could separate into the football side of things in terms of stories and then just general life in, in Africa. Um, uh, and for me, I think I, I really, if, if I was to be given an option, I'd just travel the continent of Africa. I wouldn't want to go anywhere else because... We have got so much to see in this continent and we haven't seen a fraction of it. And it's so beautiful. And I I truly am I'm, I'm blessed that I get to travel the continent um, doing the thing that I enjoy doing. Uh, but for me, it, it, it teaches us, you know, a lot about the continent on a, as, as a whole in terms of, you know, the different areas, the different languages, different cultures. But I think one of the main things that I appreciate the most is it makes you appreciate your own country even more. And I think we, we as South Africans don't appreciate what we have. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm generalizing obviously, but I think, you know, once you, you get to travel, you'll appreciate, um, more of your own country and its uniqueness and its diversity um, and 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 that's what you know the kind of the continent has taught me but from a from a you know food perspective i've I've tried almost anything and everything uh, porcupine uh, monkey um, snake uh, these are just things you know and and for me I'm one of those people if someone offers me food I'll never say I won't try it because it's 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 very rude to me if someone you've you've taken the effort to make them or to take them somewhere where you can eat what the people eat at least you try it once and and you get to know that that experience so so, so sorry Mr. I I, I want to go back uh, sorry um you were in America, then you came back home, obviously. Uh, then you worked at the PSL. We need to know about your your life at the PSL. <laughs> uh, maybe you got some X-Files for us. <laughs> and, and maybe answer if there's a tunnel between uh, uh, there in, in uh, Park Town that leads from the PSL to, <laughs> to Park Town office, some Park Town office club there. Then obviously you worked at the LOC uh, 2010 FIFA World Cup. How was that like? Jeez, okay. Yeah. So you know, uh, I just want to wrap those. Yeah, yeah. Those okay, things. okay. Those so don't know you. Yeah. So then, then I think then where where we left off is when I realized that I wanted to get involved in football. So uh, I graduated with a degree from Lynn University and honors degree in political science and communications. Um, but when I left, I had a few offers to work in South Florida, Miami area, doing real estate. And it was going to pay well. Uh, but I, I, I knew from then that I, 
I can't be in America. There's a World Cup coming to South Africa. I can't be here. And and one of the things was also um I wanted my kids to grow up South African. A lot of, I'd seen a lot of guys South Africans even who had gone to play, you know, in in the states. There was a big group of white guys actually that played in my university. Uh Ivan McKinley's, your Roy Wiegler's, your, you know, a lot of guys from South Africa. Uh, who went that side and they settled down and you know you get to see their kids and their kids are american and i was like no i i can't and i said and i told myself um you know the moment my child can say yo and understand the context then i know my son is south Af- my child is south african he did that a few years ago <laughs> I jumped up and he looked at me he's like what, what's yeah, going right. on and he's like no <laughs> <laughs> something came true like, yeah yeah okay <laughs> he was telling some story at school and he's like yo 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 and then and I was like oh, yeah, yes. yeah the Ronaldinho moment again. <laughs> yeah yeah I was like no no he's it's South like, African we, it's like that concept of I'm sure yeah you know when somebody says I'm, I'm sure, sure. <laughs> yeah there's two different versions of it <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, only South Africans can know yeah, your yeah. and how to use it. So I was like, that's the word. If he knows it. Um, so I decided, no, I'm going to I'm gonna forego that. I'm going to now look for places where I can study. And I came across the FIFA Masters. FIFA Masters program uh, where you're studying in England for three months. You're studying sports history. Milan for three months studying sports finance. Switzerland for four months studying sports law. So I looked at that and I was like, okay, that's my quickest in back into South Africa. Let me apply for that. I applied for it, but uh, then obviously you have to wait. So at that time, my uncle was uh, working at the embassy, South African embassy in Washington, D.C. So I went to stay with him until I found out my situation with the school. So I started working at a restaurant. Cooking is something that I've always also been passionate about. Uh, I think my mom, I've always had a sweet tooth. So I think my mom got me into baking. That's the first thing I learned to do in the kitchen was to bake. Uh, jam squares. If I was to, jam squares are my thing. That's what I first started with. So jam squares is what I started baking. And then eventually got to, to cooking. Uh, when my mom was not around, then I started cooking as well. Then I took actually home economics as well. So I started taking home economics and, and cooking from there. So cooking has always been a passion. And I thought, while I'm waiting, let me, let me just do this. A passion that I have work in a kitchen, get that experience. And, and, and quite an experience it was. I mean, we, I was at a Mediterranean restaurant with a Turkish chef who multiple times almost stabbed me. Um, you know, no, it's a rough environment and it, it teaches you a lot about pressure because when service comes, the pressure's high. Then it comes down before, you know, the dinner service, you're preparing, things are joking, come, and then it works its way up. And it was like that constantly every single day, every single day without fail. You're go- you know what to expect, but... You don't know how you're gonna react. Mediterranean. Did you actually do falafels? Uh, Did you do paella at some point? No, no, that's Spanish. Mediterranean. <laughs> I leave paella to the experts. Don't start with the <laughs> you're trying to be saucy. Here. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's very refreshing to hear. Like, you know, you could have chosen to go anywhere. Like based on your background, um, where you studied, etc. But yet, how you how you talk about you know the continent and how you you know your passion for for the continent itself. Why did you specifically chose to remain in the continent? I'm sure probably you could have had opportunities to maybe stay. Switzerland or Italy, with especially after you mentioned your 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 FIFA, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, qualification. I think I think for me, when when I was doing the FIFA Masters, um, so what you have to do then is, out of all the three modules, you have to write a thesis, and the thesis that I wrote was, how the PSL can leverage from the World Cup coming to South Africa, 
And I wrote that on purpose in a way because I think by that time I had decided that I want to come back to South African football. And this is my door of trying to get into South African football because nobody knows me. So if I get there, what what would you have that's unique? At least now I can say I, I've studied that's something that's unique. Um, but I think what I wanted to do is I wanted to start my dream was then to start a football club. Uh, I told myself, no, I, I want to, my end goal in football is to start a football club, but from the ground up and not to buy or this. So I want to start with where you set your own, you know, ethos, your own culture, your own ways of doing things. That's what I wanted. And I looked at that and I said, okay, that's the end goal. So how do I get there? And as I track back, I said, okay, the first thing I need to do is understand how a league works. So the best place to probably work is this PSL. So that's why then I wrote my thesis on how the PSL can leverage from the World Cup, hoping that I'd get an opportunity to work at the World Cup, at, at the PSL. Um, so I can understand how the league operates because I want to start a football club. So that's where the whole, you know, the whole my mindset was. Um, and then I remember emailing the PSL can I get an interview Trevor Phillips was still the P CEO the bulldog <laughs> rest in peace uh, yes Trevor Phillips was still the CEO I messaged, messaged the PA no responses now my deadlines are coming up and I, I need to have something from the PSL luckily for uh, from my point of view the PSL had announced in January that Shettle CM was going to start as the CEO of the PSL in August. And Trevor Phillips was finishing off. So when I couldn't get through to Trevor Phillips, this was around March, uh, I was like, right, let me try this Norwegian. I googled his name, I found his email address, I messaged him, I said, hey, I'm doing this, writing a thesis, can I please send you some questions on the PSL, you know, and you can tell me whatever it is you... He wrote back... I got the answers and my first impression, reaction was, we're fucked. This guy's English was horrendous. It was bad, bad. It was so bad. I had to decipher <laughs> what he was trying to say. So I kind of wrote it, I paraphrased it, and I just put it in there. And then um, I, send, I send the thesis to all the people who contributed. He calls me back. He's like, hey, where are you? Can we meet up? I'm like, no, I'm on my way to South Africa. I've just finished, graduated. Get to South Africa. I meet up with him. Um, we, you know, I remember I was dressed in, I was dressed in a suit. I was dressed to the nines in a proper suit. The first time we're going to meet. This guy wears suits, eh? At PSL, I used to wear suits. Yeah. I, when even I now, even now at Kev, I know. It's like uh, no. 38 degrees in every coast. Yeah, I've seen a few of these pictures. I know, no, no, no. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's normal procedure in, in West Africa. With a crisp white shirt. <laughs> so I was meeting him at Mandela Square. Right there by the statue, there was a restaurant there. I'm dressed to the nines. I see someone walking towards me, and I'm like, no, this can't be him. Dressed in shorts. <laughs> Crocs and a torn T-shirt. <laughs> and I was like, no, this can't be the guy. This cannot be the guy. <laughs> Truth be told, then this is the guy. Yeah. So already I was just like, fuck. Okay. Oh, sorry. No, you can swear. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, nah, come on. God, why are you playing me like this? <laughs> we sat there. I literally, we sat there and we clicked like a house on fire. It was yeah. like he was... My older older brother, you know? Yeah. That's how we clicked. And we were just laughing from the get-go, making jokes. We got each other's humor. Um, by the end of the meeting, he was like, okay, no, I, I want you to be my PA. Yeah. And I looked at him, I was like, uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend you, but I didn't do a master's to be a PA, you know? Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, no, I think in South Africa you... I, wa I want you to be my right-hand person, you know. I want you to to help me because, you know, I need you, you need me. Kind of, it was that scenario, you know. Yeah. He's opening a door for me, but 
he doesn't you know quite know the culture of what's going yeah. on in South Africa and so so that's how relationship started uh with CM at the at the PSL and um and I think from from that time he 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 uh he wanted me and then he's like we first need to go <laughs> get approval I get approval <laughs> yes so so yeah, so we all, I, we I all know to, what that approval means. Yeah, I had, to, I, I had to I had to meet the chairman yeah. and you know have a meeting with the chairman, and to say it was the most the scariest day of my life is an understatement. I don't think I slept the night before. Uh, the meeting was seven o'clock on a Sunday morning, seven a.m. Did you rock up in the suit again? Of course, of course, <laughs> so of course. And how was that like? <laughs> everybody, you know, no one ever talks about meeting the chairman. I mean, I've met the chairman. Uh, I have my own story and version. Uh, we're meeting him in a boardroom, and <laughs> it's a it's a boardroom, and then there's there's three of us, but he's sitting on the <laughs> other side, you know, like in Game of Thrones, and then he's got books, so you don't see him. <laughs> it's almost like you he had to put was that the office in Parktown in the office in Parktown yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean at the far end you almost look like my height yes <laughs> that's how far apart you were <laughs> with the person conducting the I'm telling <laughs> you the, if there was an intercom we should have used an intercom <laughs> so no, uh, chairman yeah we are just here to talk to yeah. you <laughs> and then he will answer a, back with a chairman and in the middle of the there could have been a signal breakage <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but I mean, okay. Then your your life started at PSL. Yeah, then um, then yeah, we started at the PSL. I started with CM. Um, basically, he, I, I I remember asking, okay, so what it is? What am I gonna do? He literally gave me back uh, my thesis, and he said, let's start working on these recommendations. Yeah. And one of the main recommendations was to start a club licensing system okay. within the South African football structures. Um, so, so is, are some of the things that you put on your thesis implemented right now in the current PSL? Yeah. Uh, if you look at the compliance manual okay. that the PSL uses, that's basically... That's you. That was the recommendation, yes. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I think... Building, building a product. I think the PSL was already in that. I can't say that, you know, what I did is what created the PSL product. No, but it assisted. It was a tool to professionalize clubs a lot quicker yes. because uh, I think pre-2007, when, you know, Supersport came on board, um, there was a different way of doing things. I think when Supersport came on board, there was this now urge because... South Africa now was being was hosting the World Cup. But the World Cup is years away. There's not a ball being kicked mm. up until 2010. What's going to be the focus? Your local league. Mm. What's the standard of the South African league? So all the attention now is on the league because that's the only football that's in the country yes. that's going to be hosting the World Cup. So obviously then standards and professionalism had to improve. I mean, I remember we had a workshop with clubs where we were telling clubs um, part of the requirements in the compliance manual is going to be that the head coach has to give an interview after the match. And people now will look at it, but those kind of things were never, you never think of it now. But before, if a coach got upset that he lost, he'd send his assistant. And it it was normal. It was normal. But we said, no, that can't happen uh, in terms of, the, the broadcast rights deals with Supersport in that. So the compliance manual was just taking contracts and making them more implementable for clubs. And it said, if your coach does not do the interview pre-match, post-match, you're going to get fined. And I think what I learned from that period was there's t- only two things that are important in football, in a football club, points and money. Those are the only two things. That's the only currency that's that you can sway people with in football, points and money. And I think once the fines started adding up, I remember Jomo. Rajay didn't do, didn't do any interviews. 
but the fine started racking up. <laughs> and then there was a point where you started now seeing him at every single interview because it was getting too costly now. Because it was now systems were in place. Structure was in place. So for me, that's kind of the background where I come from is trying to put structures into places so that things can progress and develop according to whatever the strategy is in terms of that organization. And a, and a quick, sh- quick question from that. Do you think currently we are at that place? Or obviously, obviously there's always room to improve, but do, are you satisfied in how things are at the moment? Um, I, I, I really don't think if you're a true football lover, you can be satisfied with the situation that's going on in this country. Um, I think, you know, we are a sleeping giant and we've been a sleeping giant for too long. And I always get this when I do, you know, when I'm traveling is what's wrong with South Africa? You guys have everything. Yeah. That's always the question posed. You guys have everything. Why are you not? Why is your national team not? Why is your clubs not? Why? Why? You know, and it's it's difficult question to answer. Um, but it's obviously something that we need to address yeah. as football as a whole because we are that sleeping giant. We should be <laughs> consistently top three in Africa. Yeah. Consistently. Consistently have minimum two clubs in the quarterfinals of every CAF competition every year. Minimum. That's the kind of country we are. But I don't think we believe it. And you can see in the way other countries with minimal resources have more belief than us with vast resources. Um, so I think we need to fix that. We need to start believing. Um, and, and a lot of people always ask the question, is South Africa a footballing nation? You know, Are we a footballing nation? And it's a difficult one to answer. It's, it's you know, some could say yes, and you can understand why. Some could say no, you can understand why. But we need to get to that point where it's undisputable. Yeah. It's undisputable. Yeah. Right now, it it is kind of disputable. You look at how people have, you know, galvanized around rugby. Yeah. That's the way football used to galvanize this whole country. And it doesn't do that anymore. And we have a problem if it doesn't do that, especially because we have tasted it. We're not like other countries who have never tasted. We've tasted it. It's been there, but it's not there anymore. So we need to get that taste back. And that's something that's very much more psychological and cultural. There needs to be some kind of shift in the way we do things in football for us to get back to that level. Yeah, but you, 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 you now not in the local scene. You, you are in the calf, calf world. Um, so we're not gonna get you to change that. But how is it in calf though? How is it going with uh, Patrice? <laughs> Imagine he, 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 he mentioned his dream of starting a football club. Yes. Yet it was based on running the league. Yes. Imagine riding, you, you base your dream on in a club, but you start with the league first. <laughs> I suppose that's, that's how he got to the CAF ahead of the PSL. Yes. <laughs> you must always think ahead. Yes. <laughs> yes. If, 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 if you're a club and you know how the league operates, are you not going to be in an advantage? Major yeah. advantage. Major advantage. Yeah. So for me, it's cover all my bases. And I think with that... Part of the journey as well, when I left PSL, um, I went on to work at Mega Pro, which is a um, sports marketing agency, and I was in charge of um, the SAFA account, which basically we, we then had to find sponsors for SAFA and Bafana Bafana, you know, making money, the commercial side of things, contracts. Um, and it was at the worst time possible because it was right after the World Cup 2011, Nobody wanted to spend money money on football. Mm. The bubble had burst. So it was such a tough time, but it taught a lot in terms of trying to sell something that is not sellable, you know, uh, because people had just had enough. And not to say that Safa or the product was down there. It's just that people had had enough. Yeah. And it comes a time where people do have enough. No matter too much of a good thing is never good. So after a World Cup, you know, after an event that big where for many years before then people were just focused on football, football, 
now they were drained. They were just like, so now it teaches you to also to now start thinking out the box. Yeah. How do you think out the box to entice those same people that are tired of football to still be involved in football? And it was a tough sell. It was a very tough sell. Uh, but I think in that year, uh, I realized, okay, this is not what I want to do long term. I want to start doing my own thing. And uh, I got together with two other guys um, and we started the journey together. But then when it was time to jump over the cliff, uh, I, was, I was the one pushing a little bit more. Yeah. I was the one pushing a little bit more and I jumped and they were like, hey, we don't have clients. And I said, no, nah, I got to jump. And I jumped. Um, so I think one of the first things I did, uh, I called the general secretary of CAF, the CEO at the time. He did the FIFA Masters two years before I did. So I'd gotten in touch with him and I said, I want the AFCON's coming to South Africa. Please, any way possible, can I get involved? I don't even have to be paid. I just want to get involved. So then I got placed in Rustenburg for the AFCON and I was a protocol officer. So I managed all the tickets and the seating plans of the VIPs at the stadium. For me, I thought it was the worst thing because I'm like, ah, oh, geez. But that was the biggest education because the person I was working under, the protocol officer from CAF, she was the lady who, if you see the Bafana picture, uh, when we lifted 96, She's standing next to Isa Haya too. She was his translator. Ah. So she knows Kef inside and out. Jeez. So she was just teaching me, this person's that person. He did this, he did that. This person is that person. So I was just soaking So she in. gave you the blueprint. She was just giving me all this information. So yeah. I was soaking all this information and getting to know how Kef works, how it operates, you know. And from a person who understands it to the highest level, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was my first taste of calf, calf work. And after that tournament, um, luckily enough, I got to be, um, got to be involved with the NetBank Yona team search. Um, and I think that for me was another element to the end goal, starting a club. Now I have an opportunity to run a team. Nobody knows how it should be run, but you have an open canvas to do what you want to do, you know? Um, so with Nedbank Yona, all the things that, you know, little things we've been thinking of trying, we tried them in Keona, you know? Uh, because there's no limitations there. There's no PSL rules, regulation. No, yeah. this is, we do what we want to do. And um, that was literally one of the best periods of my life because, to see something that you started off with underground and to grow to that level. Uh, we, put in, we put in a lot of people through that program that necessarily, I think originally it was just geared towards players. How do we get players? We do scouting, select them, the players play against the team. But for me, it was bigger than that. And I wanted to give more opportunities to guys even behind the scenes. Uh, I remember one one day went to Vit Stadium, run into Teka, talk to Teka. What are you up to? No, doing IT at uh, Standard Bank, but you know I've got this thing I've got on the side. I just analyze games for fun. I'm like, okay, do you wanna come on to the NetBank Yona team? We can't pay you, but he, he said yes. Yeah. That guy would take leave days to be in camp with us. Yeah. That's how dedicated, you know, we got guys like that who want to to have a, you know, wouldn't have necessarily the opportunity to be involved in a team environment at that level. Uh, but for some, it's open doors to bigger and greater things. If you look at um, uh, the team manager of Sikukune now, he used to be the team manager for Guiana team. Uh, PSC was at Pirates. He was also... I mean, him as well. It was, we're hitting balls at a driving range. He's telling me about what he's doing. I said, okay, if you want to get involved. And that's how it, a lot of these guys, that's how it ends up. Conversation. What are you up to? Do you want an opportunity? Okay. And it's guys who are willing to do it for nothing. And I think that's how I tested them. I'd always say, 
are you willing to do it for free? Because I don't have money. But I always knew I'm going to give guys, I'm going to pay guys. But for me, it was understanding, are you willing to do it when you're not going to get a cent, just for the opportunity? If you're willing to do it, then you know that this is someone who's passionate about what they want to do. Yo, okay, I don't even know <laughs> what to say next. It, it, but it's it, it's very refreshing to to come across somebody who who documented um, how they think football should be, and 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 their dream <laughs> as documented is now turning out to be, you know, how football is being ran in terms of influence. I suppose it's it's um, beyond beyond just studying. Sometimes to to leave what you document uh, becoming a reality is very refreshing. And it's for the first time during this podcast, Langa is actually paying attention. And he's <laughs> listening. And From drinking he's beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's nice lost for I mean, I even, I even forgot to refill. Yes. But yeah, your, your story is... is yeah, we can we can spend about two hours doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's so much we need to unpack with him, um, especially the tunnel story. <laughs> yeah, I think we are, we are due for a we do for a part two for a follow up. Uh, yeah, uh, episode. You know, I, when you mention you know the stories about Teka, uh, he was one of our guests, Malope um, Bar owner. Pacey and them, it's yeah, yeah. It's like life unfolding, um, because these are people who are very passionate about football. You know, it's when you are that much passionate, and you find people in your circle who who can help you live your passions. It's 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 very good, and I think it's only befitting, you know, to to give you all the kudos. Um, I think your your DNA of football is is there. It's not only documented, but to me, it sounds like you are living it, and it's painting out how you almost planned um, your football journey to be and what it can be. And yeah, I greatly appreciate uh, the time you gave us today. Um, we, we normally end with a joke, and <laughs> yeah, you're one of the few with. Some of the best punchlines, very dry humor. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carolla, on you this have to one, us the joke. me and Langa, we're going to excuse ourselves. <laughs> so no, that's that's <laughs> the one thing. I'm not, I'm, I'm not good with jokes. <laughs> me, I'm, I'm good with those uppercuts. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm good at responding. Uh, at responding, I'm hundred percent. But I, don't, I, I'm not a joke memorizer. But me, I'm, uh, I'm more, yeah, my humor is more on the, on the dry side, yeah. All right, but um, I mean, can people still find you on the socials if they wanna, you know, follow you? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, how do you do? Yeah, uh, yeah just, Instagram. Yeah, Bossy Bros, Bossy underscore Bros, B O S I underscore B R O S. Yeah. And uh, everywhere else, yeah, you just find my name. I think my name's unique enough. Uh, no, I I don't have any imposters or or, or clones. <laughs> yeah, so people can find me there. Uh, yeah, and I'd le- definitely love to to do round two because I I do feel there's a, a lot to unpack. Uh, more that was just a starter, so oh, yeah. we definitely have to get some KFC. No, we we're going to be interviewing him in uh, every course for the Fcon. That's actually a good idea. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, he's obviously going to be there. I'm definitely going to be there. And so we, yeah, it's our first international trip. <laughs> we'll get a sponsor. Okay, no, that that will. Be I'll find you the bars there, <laughs> yeah. and then you can go and <laughs> taste all the local bars and do a show from there. Yeah, we've got a closing joke, courtesy of. Uh, a uh, uh, young host there. Yes. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, what do you call a caveman's fart? Uh. A blast from the past. <laughs> 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 a typical budget. <laughs> right, as usual. <laughs> Thank you, Camilo. We're going to play out with a song. 
And uh, yeah, it's uh, you, you guys will understand why we're playing this song. But it's Kata Africa. Thank you guys. to a pint with barman larry brought to you by ulinga bar drink to the last drop please rate review and subscribe to the podcast on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcast